Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freakin' Mirpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Greetings, hikers. Thank you for tuning in to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. I'm Doc, and I'm your host. Well, we have a special treat for this week's episode. We've got a new backpacker on the pod with us today, and we're going to be talking about a new trail. We're going to be leaving the High Sierras for a week and taking a trip out 26 miles across the ocean. Please help me welcome Slowmo to the show as he and I are going to take a look at the Trans Catalina Trail. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod Studio, Slowmo. Hey there. Glad to be part of the uh, podcast today. Yeah. The, the studio is quite extravagant, isn't it? Yeah, this is, if only the people could see uh, all the amenities that are here in front of us. So yeah. what we do on, on the pod, I know you're a big fan of the podcast. You've been, you've, you have been uh, with me in my excitement as I tell you about the podcast. How many episodes have you listened to? I, I've consumed um, all of them at this point. Yes. Oh, wow, yes, okay. All of them. Very good. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. So you know that one of the things that we do straight off with a with a uh, a new guest host is for the guest host to look around the the wonderful luxurious John Freakin' Muir Pod 
studios and just name three items. No explanation, just three items within your line of sight. We're trying just to paint a picture for our listeners at home. IPA, ceiling fan, and uh, uh, LA Marathon medallion. Okay. Very good. So this is now our sixth episode. So listeners have about 18 items to kind of piece this all together. It's, it's The picture is becoming clear, I'm sure. Very clear. <laughs> all right. Hey, now, slow-mo obviously is not your uh, given name. Thankfully. It's, it's not on your birth certificate, not on your paychecks. That's right, as far uh, as I know. Kids don't say, hey, good morning, slow-mo. <laughs> not Saturday that I can mornings. hear. Not that I can hear. Okay. Yeah. You want to you tell us a little bit about your, your trail name and how you came by that? Yes. Uh, actually, thankfully, you helped bequeath my trail name to me. And the, the story was that we were uh, on trail on Catalina, and we were working our way down. I guess we had been maybe about half day's worth of hiking or so, just about. Mm-hmm. And we were coming down uh, a little bit of a slope, not too much, not too difficult. And uh, footing uh, kind of went out from underneath me, and I had my two hiking poles, and I started to go down, but uh, the, the, the if I didn't have the weight of the backpack on me, I think I would have been able to right myself immediately, but I was kind of fighting between going down completely and pushing myself uh, up, and so it was kind of a slow-mo collapse, and you know, of course, the best part about that was I went down, I ended up eating it straight on my face, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, as I'm laying there, I hear from behind me... Um, the uh, doc saying, uh, "Don't move! Don't move!" And I'm thinking at the time, you know, there's a there's a rattlesnake or something next to mm-hmm. me. And as it turns out, he's telling me not to move because he wants to make sure he gets me completely in the frame to take a picture, which is one of our favorite pictures. Yes, I, ha- so. I had to commemorate the moment. <laughs> and just know, slow mo, that you are not alone. You have a lot of company uh, in those hikers that have cursed the the weight of the backpack on their backs. Yes. But in in your particular instance, it was because it helped you continue your slow-mo fall into yes. the dirt. Face yeah. face first into the dirt. Am I allowed to say that uh, I just thought that, you know, you, we, you you talked so much about the selection of your of your uh, your trail name, and I was so excited about it, and you, you had this, you have Doc, which has just such positive connotations, and then you, of course, choose slow-mo, which has <laughs> some different kinds of connotations, but, you know, you, you, you get the name that's assigned to you. So. Well, and here's yeah. the good news. You, you you are not married to that name forever. You know if if something else happens on the trail or somebody else bestows a name, you you have the choice. You can you can use that name instead. Thank goodness. Yes. Okay. But for now, with your one uh, multi day hike uh, under your feet, uh, you you are slow mo. We'll, we'll call we'll go with slow mo. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So slow mo and I have known each other for quite a few years. We had done some camping and some day hiking together, but prior to last summer. We had not done any backpacking trips. However, don't let that fool you. Slow-Mo is an accomplished sportsman in other areas, and he readily accepted the challenge of hiking the Trans-Catalina Trail when I proposed it. Slow-Mo, tell us a little bit about your other sporting hobbies or accomplishments. Okay, well, most recently, um, Doc and I have uh, done some uh, running together. We ran ran the LA Marathon together, um, or at least we, we were on the same course at the same time. And um, and we've done uh, we've done a lot of running together. You know, I have a little bit of history of playing high school football, high school basketball. It's years ago now, um, but I like to get out and do fishing whenever I can and have the opportunity. But most recently, with if I didn't have some is- recent injuries with my knee, it was that um, it was the uh, completion of the marathon that kind of gave me 
um, a sense that, you know, I think I might be able to do this. I might be able to pull that. Because it seemed so daunting when you first suggested it. It was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's such a, it's a big undertaking. I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, you know, for those of you that haven't tried it, if you're generally in good shape, I can just say from my experience, it's doable. It's worth it. And it's one of those experiences like the LA Marathon that you come out and you feel, you realize that you're capable of doing a lot more than you, you realized before you started. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we're just walking all day, right? That's right. Just walking. That's right. There you go. So, and, and was the TCT the first time you had done any overnight backpacking? It was. All, the, my, all my previous camping was car camping. So, it was the first time that I'd done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've had to suffer through many of my hiking stories and videos. Um, what were your overall impressions about last summer's hike on the TCT? Oh, it was epic. Um, uh, you know, boy, boy, impressions. That's a good way. But I don't think I could capture everything is in it. We, I think we had a um, just a wonderful trip because of the weather. Where there were certain times where it was just beautiful, sunny, mm-hmm. and there were other times where we were kind of shrouded in uh, in the mist. Um, and so it was a little cooler than I think it can be sometimes out on that trail. Um, and, you know, just bonding opportunities, just, you know, when you've been through kind of an experience with someone together, I think that's kind of one of the things that sticks with me mm-hmm. is that you, you it's it's tough at times, you know, mm-hmm. and anyone that goes through it, you're, you know, you're, you're working, you're working pretty hard. But when you go through this experience together, you, you know, there's just something unique about the bonding that happens as yeah. well. Well said. I like that first adjective you used, epic. Yeah, epic. it was epic. It was epic. And we're going to have a chance to kind of break down the trail section uh, piece by piece, section mm-hmm. by section, and kind of give our thoughts and, and uh, feedback from what we remember from, from those parts of the trail. So, all right. Hey, another thing I wanted to give you a heads up about uh, early in the episode here is that something that we have done on the on the podcast is that we offer up the pro tip insight of the week at the end of the episode mm. and we don't plan ahead of time what that might be it just kind of springs from our natural flow of conversation throughout the episode and so i will be asking you specifically what is this this week's uh, pro tip insight of the week as yes. we get to the end of the episode so sounds keep, good so keep thinking i got about two that. ideas for that one but oh. i'll hold on to them so okay they come out so all right okay. very good All right, let's get to the Trans-Catalina Trail. As its name implies, this trail spans the length of Catalina Island, which lies 26 miles off the coast of Southern California. Santa Catalina Island, as it is officially named, is part of the Channel Islands of California Archipelago, which lies within Los Angeles County. About 4,000 people call the island home, with most of them living in Avalon and Two Harbors. The typical starting point of the trail is the eastern terminus in Avalon. All told, the trail is 38 and a half miles as you proceed across the island to get eventually to Two Harbors and then complete the loop on the isthmus to the east of Two Harbors. During those 38 and a half miles, you will experience 9,600 feet of elevation change as there are several ups and downs uh, ranging from sea level to its highest point at 1,775 feet. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to get into some Catalina fun facts before we get to the trail. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. 
since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. All right, welcome back. Before we get into our fun facts about Catalina, I want to let the JFM faithful know that if they're enjoying the podcast, they can help us out by subscribing to the pod and giving us a rating or a review. And slow-mo, if they're not enjoying the podcast, well, then it's best just to keep that to themselves. Mm, Agreed. Yeah. All right, fun facts about Catalina Island. Earliest settlement of the island, 7,000 B.C., and they were known as the Pimugnans. I believe that's how it's pronounced, mm. Pimugnans. Uh, also, pirates favored the island because of its hidden coves and distance from the mainland. Made that made it perfect for smuggling activities. And did you know that uh, William Wrigley Jr. of Chewing Gum and Chicago Cubs fame purchased controlling interest in the island in 1919? He built the Catalina Casino, which opened in 1929. And from 1921 to 1951, if you can believe it, the Cubs... Chicago Cubs conducted their spring training activities on the island. Hmm. I wonder if the ball didn't carry as far because of the uh, the humidity in the air. Hmm. Interesting question. Huh. You going to get to the airport discussion, by the way? We're going to get there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There is an airport on the island, and I've been told that the runway was actually shortened during World War II so pilots could practice their aircraft carrier landings and takeoffs, I imagine. Not sure if that is a fact or not, but it's certainly a good story. Sure, I like it. Yeah, yeah I know you're a history buff. You, right. Had you heard, heard that? that? I had heard the similar story. I've also heard that there's remnants of aircraft that are sort of down the cliff at the edge of the uh, the runway. So these are the pilots that didn't do too well exactly. on, the, on the takeoffs? Exactly. I, I, I didn't see that, but I've heard that story. Okay, all right. So. All right. Did you know, of course you know because you were there, mm-hmm. um, there are about 150 American bison on the island as a result of the filming of a Western movie on the island in 1924. And that movie was called The Vanishing American. It was a Western. Uh, Fourteen bison were brought over uh, for the for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually were, were filmed, uh, but they didn't make it past the cutting room floor. So even though they took them over there, the expense of taking them over there and including them in the film... They never actually made it onto the big screen when when the movie finished production. And the filming company decided it was too expensive to transport them off the island after the filming. So they just left them there. And now from 14, we have 150. Yeah. There was lots of evidence of them on the trail. Yes. Yes. It was a big part of the big part of the trip. You want me to talk about that now? Go, go for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. was the uh, one of the uh, challenge. One of the things was that I think we were most excited about was actually being able to see bison, mm-hmm. and it's a, sort of a, a, a two edged sword because they said you know you want to see them, but you don't want to get too close because these are really dangerous animals. Um, and so uh, the f- funny thing about it was that uh, there is just bison uh, droppings everywhere on the trail, and a number of ca- a number of instances we saw they were. Clearly, very fresh bison droppings. Yeah, and um, and luckily there wasn't one in the trail when you went face down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah yes, that's another benefit of this. But <laughs> 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 we only ended up seeing one bison the whole time, and it was about maybe three, four hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. But uh, still, was still was a treat to see. So. Yeah, if you give groups a trail name, I know you give individual trail names, but if you if you were to give a a group a trail name, my trail name for for the two of us on this trip was going to be the Lone Buffaloes. Oh, it works for me. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, kind of like the Lone Gunman from X-Files. I don't know if you watched that series or not, but uh, yeah, I thought that was appropriate because we were looking the whole time for, for all these 
bison that we had heard mm-hmm. about and just saw the one from quite a distance. Yeah, too. and one of the cool things, if I, if, I, if I can add, was that in addition to the uh, um, the droppings, there were a couple instances where it was clear that this enormous animal had kind of, I don't know if they'd kind of, uh, they'd laid, laid themselves down and kind of worked themselves uh, through the, the, the dust and the dirt, and you can, you can obviously see there's this massive animal that has kind of worked its way through the, mm-hmm. the dirt there. And so, the, you know, there, there was evidence of these animals everywhere, but we didn't, didn't see them except for afar off. But still neat. Yep. Something neat. Yep. Good story. All right. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the differences between planning a TCT trip and a JMT trip. Now, I know, Slomo, you have not been on the JMT um, so you, you may just have to listen to me on this I have one. not. Yes, I'll be listening. Nothing nothing to offer. Yeah, you have to take my word on this. Okay. Uh, first, of all, first of all, the TCT is more expensive, hands down, without a doubt. Um, to start off with, you have to book a trip on the ferry to get to the trail and back from the trail. And so right right there, that's a, it's a, an additional expense. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you need to book your tickets on the Catalina Express. You also, on the TCT, have to book each campsite individually which comes to about $25 per night per person. And so if you're, if you're going with a, a group, you know, it's going to add up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, by comparison, you can book your JMT trip for $10 with an additional $6 per person. And I believe it's about $15 if you're going to be summoning Whitney during your trip. Um, for the TCT, you need to book your campsites through the Catalina Island Conservancy. Now, there are designated campgrounds on the TCT, but you really, there are five designated campgrounds on the TCT, but you only really need four. Uh, Hermit Gulch, which you hike by right away at the start, uh, you don't need to, to spend the night there. I mean, you're going to be there within 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. of, of getting off the boat. So um, the other four are Blackjack, Little Harbor, Two Harbors, and Parsons Landing. Now, you have to book each campsite with a specific date. Uh, that's a requirement as you go through the booking process. And I want to share a little bit about my booking mistake that, that I made uh, on last summer's trip is I, I went kind of in order of how we were going to be hiking. I saw, okay, Blackjack is the first campground we're going to come to. So I booked that for a particular night. And then I said, okay, next one is going to be Little Harbor. And so I booked that one for the next night. And then we said, okay, Two Harbors is the next one. Uh, so I booked that for the next night. And then I got to Parsons Landing. And Parsons Landing for that particular night was full. We mm. couldn't camp there. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally and quickly realized that Parsons Landing only has eight campsites. It's the s- smallest by far of the, the four campsites. And so what you really need to do is to, to be smart about this, be smarter than I was, and realize that you have to book Parsons Landing first. Mm. Find a date where there's grab an available campsite. Eight. Grab one of those eight, and then work your way backwards uh, so that you're able to do the entire trail. Uh, we actually left that section undone. We haven't done the isthmus, but we are planning to go back this summer and take care of that. That's right. We got to finish it this summer. I'm yep. hooked. Yep. All right. And how about some uh, some differences in the trail on the TCT and the JMT? Well, surprisingly. Uh, there are no, or, or maybe there's very few, switchbacks on the TCT. And if you remember what I said earlier, there's 9,600 feet of elevation gain uh, during this trip. Mm-hmm. And so without switchbacks, uh, you're, you're hiking straight up a trail, straight up, straight up the, the side of a hill or a, uh, you know, a, an true. incline. And so it was, it was, uh, it was pretty were, tough doing some, it that there way. There were some moments, yeah. There were some sections, yeah. Yeah. Also, 
on the JMT and you're up in the Sierras. And so the scenery, while beautiful, really only varies between the, the uh, if you're by a mountain lake or if you're below 10,000 feet and you're in the trees or if you're above 10,000 feet and there's really not a lot of vegetation. But on the TCT, there was a lot of variation in trail conditions, I thought. You, mm-hmm. you found yourself hiking next to the, to the beach, next to the ocean. Uh, you found yourself in, in mountain mountainous mm-hmm. uh, conditions mm-hmm. as you're going up without switchbacks. Uh, there were parts of the trail that were inland where you couldn't see the ocean on either side right. of the island. You're in like a bowl. You're in a bowl. Yeah. And then there was, there was plenty of beautiful coastal views as you got higher up on the trail. So a lot of uh, variation in, in those in those conditions, I thought. And then I'd also say that that campsites between the JMT and the TCT are very different. Uh, JMT, you're looking for a flat area somewhere. Uh, in the heavier used areas closer to civilization, you may have bare boxes that you can put your food in overnight. There may be some semblance of, of civilization, but really, most of the time, you're, you're up in the mountains above 10,000 feet and you are... Uh, just looking for a flat space to uh, flat cleared space to, to camp for the night. Um, campsites on the TCT, it's really like glamping a little bit because that's glamping. Gla- that's glamping. Wow. Yeah, because there are porta potties at every campsite. Yeah. Okay. You, you don't have to bring your uh, your uh, your poop shovel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna save some weight on that. I carried it with right. me last time. It was not needed. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, you don't have to filter your water because there's a water spigot at every every campsite. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to bring you don't need to bring your filter. Ah, I have an idea for a, uh, a pro tip. A pro tip. Okay. Yeah. Hang on to that. Okay. Not, just okay. Keep, okay. Gotcha. Keep it in your memory. Okay. All right. There are also huge fire rings at some of the campsites, um, and you can buy your firewood from the from the ranger and and uh, you don't have to go scavenging for firewood or, or, or looking for a fire ring. It's it's pretty obvious. You know, it's, it's right there in the camp. And then there's picnic benches. I mean, a lot of the times on the JMT, you're sitting on your bear box or sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. But at a number of these, maybe I think all of all of the campsites on the TCT had picnic benches. So, a lot of differences there. Okay, let's talk about the trip now using the sections of the trail. Uh, as our talking points. So mm-hmm. the, the first section is Avalon to Blackjack, Blackjack Campground. Yeah. So I remember we got to Avalon that morning and we had our packs, we had our hiking poles. Mm-hmm. And hey, before we get there, can I, can I, I, I apologize for interrupting, but can I just say don't miss the significance of actually taking the Avalon Express across. I mean, because to me, that you know, a guy that I've, I've fished a lot around mm-hmm. uh, the Catalina, and uh, you know, it's just such a beautiful island to look at it from the ocean. And uh, so I know that that's the trip. That's just getting you there. But um, I mean, that's part of the adventure as well. Was actually taking the Avalon Express, yeah. the boat, and just you know, off on it. So, anyways, I just yeah. wanted to share that. To me, that was kind of a, a special piece of the experience. So. Great point. Great point. So yeah. you have thirty-eight and a half miles of actually hiking the trail, but you also have uh, twenty-six there and twenty-six back mm-hmm. uh, across the ocean. So yeah. that's a total of what uh, ninety point five miles for the trip. Don't don't miss out on the on the fifty-two. That's right. Yeah, that's enjoy right. that as well. So we got to Avalon and. I remember the instructions that I had read said there was a hotel 
that you went to mm-hmm. and you picked up your permit from the from the hotel. You remember right. that? We, we, I, we, I do. And wasn't that the hotel was under construction? <laughs> yes, so it was. We, we showed up there. We walked over to it, and we found the hotel. And it was you know there was all kinds of risers and stuff up. And we thought, oh, this isn't good. No. But uh, you know, you just say okay. You asked some folks, and they redirected us around to another location. Yeah, that's we, where we need to go. We found a friendly. Catalina, is that, is that be sure. accurate? Sure, That'll we'll work. go with that. And and uh, she pointed us in the right direction. Said, no, 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 you have to go back to uh, near where the boat, where the Catalina Express dropped you off, and uh, go to the the uh, nature center, the conservancy center there, and mm-hmm. they, and you can get your permit there, yeah. as well as a map. Yeah, map. right. That's kind of a neat thing to spend just a few minutes into. They had a lot of a lot of good resources there. Big beautiful map on the wall for you to mm-hmm. kind of see where you're going. Yeah, have a sense of what's what's coming. Yeah, so that first section from Avalon to Blackjack is about 10.7 miles, and um, you get to about 1,500 feet of elevation during that climb. And so there's a, a, a you walk by, like I said, the Hermit Gulch campground on your way up there, and then quickly you get onto the trail. You're kind of on streets at the beginning, but then you get to the trail, and you do some climbing, and the views quickly become pretty pretty remarkable mm-hmm. as you yeah. climb. Right. You can look back down. You eventually get to look back down, I think, a little bit at, at Avalon yeah. there, right? Mm-hmm. I just remember it seemed like it kept going up and up and up and up. It, was a, it wasn't particularly steep, but it, um, it was a persistent climb, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And you finally kind of get to the top, and there's a, a nice little area there with bench a table a bench umbrella kind of a wooden structure mm-hmm. remember that that it yeah. was it was a very nice kind of felt like the start finally right. the start of the trail right and they had those that were positioned at various places throughout the trail that uh, was it seemed like it was the, that they'd done a really nice job because it, it seemed like just to the point where you had you know you'd really put in a significant amount of hiking um you had this place where you could just Pop off your pack and grab a little something to, to eat, and maybe take some pictures and just mm-hmm. sit for a minute or so. Yeah, so yeah, I can remember five or six of those along the trail, mm-hmm. and, and we didn't get to do the isthmus. I imagine there's there's a couple more over there yep. as well. Yep. Um, and then we came, we, we hike along the trail. It actually becomes kind of like a fire road. Right? Yeah, there were times of the, yeah, right. It was your you're hiking on fire road, mm-hmm. and we actually came through a little recreation area called Haypress Recreation Area. I had forgotten about that. That's yeah, right. Is that was, where we ran by the, the actually there was a there was a truck that had kind of driven by us on the road? Is that was about that they were sort of showing people the island at that point? Right. There was a part where we weren't sure if we went left or if we continued straight and we we stopped this tour uh, on the on this back road and, and the driver pointed down you you actually go to the left there. And so mm-hmm. we, we kinda of followed that down and came to this hay press recreation area and oh, yes. there was a lake there mm-hmm. and a white egret right beautiful beautiful lake there and uh, a real nice place to stop and grab some lunch mm-hmm. i recall actually. there was a yeah. playground mm-hmm. and some bathrooms and you kind of walk through that and and then continue on the road for a while and then you find the trail and then it really kind of uh took a turn into kind of an inland area you know, it was kind of in that bowl, like you were yeah. saying. We uh-huh. couldn't see either coast, and it was really hot and exposed for yeah. a while. But in and of itself, there were certain areas that were just just so beautiful, I thought. I mean, there, there was a little water, so a little lake there at the bottom, and um, just gorgeous. And you get you know, the place that you've probably experienced, I, I got to experience, where you're, you're just, you're feeling like you're all by yourself out here in this one place you get mm-hmm. to enjoy nature. I think I saw the one example of, there's a Catalina Island fox 
that people talk about seeing, you know, and I saw one kind of come across the road, which was uh, the time we were looking for um, in Buffalo. And by the way, we did have someone come to us at that last stop. Um, I think someone drove up and gave us some information about Buffalo. And there was, you know, they had kind of put the fear into us because they said, if you recall, you know, don't get anywhere near these things. They're extremely dangerous. And so being, you know, the the fools that we are, we were really eager to see one at that yeah. point. But, uh, yeah, that's when we were sitting at Hay Press at the picnic table, eating some jerky, looking at the lake, and <laughs> and these people, yeah, scared us a little bit. Yeah, watch out for the bison. That's right. So instead of then being excited about seeing a bison, then we were constantly uh, worried we come upon one as we rounded the corner. That's right. And then and then we get to the to the location where uh, your trail name was born. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yeah. When we were like I said, a slight decline. And I went down, and I, I seem to recall there were some uh, um, sound effects to it, too. You you recall it was something like, Aah! as I was trying to, you know, restrain myself on the way down. Yes, and sort of. because it happened in stages, I mean, it, the fall <laughs> took a good, I don't know, five, six seconds. It happened in slow motion, literally, yes. as he was uh, trying to get his feet under him and get the poles to steady him, and it just, it just didn't happen right. And he kept going, stumbling forward, stumbling forward, and there was the, oh, ah! Oh, ah, ah. There's a good four or five of those before you finally hit the dirt. Yes, and uh, we'll, we'll save this full story till a little later. But, uh, you know, Doc has a little reputation of having a, a lack of empathy in these moments. Because as I shared with you, you know, he said, don't move, don't move. And I'm thinking, oh, this is my friend here. He's watching out for me. And, and, you know, want to make sure that I don't get, you know, bit by a rattlesnake. It was basically, and I want to make sure I get this, this entirely. And I believe that you might be able to attach this picture it might be one of the ones that's available in the podcast. Yes, we will definitely include this in the social media. This this picture has to be <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter for, for the JFM faithful to see the reality of this. Outstanding. And you say lack of empathy. I say practicality. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> yes. And so then we came to the campsite, Blackjack Campground. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what were your impressions of the campground? Uh, pretty rudimentary. Um, and of a interesting mix of people at the campground, as I recall, there was like a there was a family there with kids that you know, and I'm not sure actually if, whether they had hiked in or whether they'd driven in. I, I'm not sure, um, but uh, you know, you're so tired at the end of the, a day of camping, and that uh, you know it was fine. It had everything you needed, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so you know that was our first day, just to kind of make sure we got settled and got everything we needed. And by the way. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a first time camper, but I wanted a, a, a you know backpacker. I should say, but I wanted to say thanks to you for your recommendation of that that super lightweight fold out chair, which I think makes a huge difference on a hike like this. When yeah. you are walking all day, the difference with having something that has a little bit of back support as opposed to actually just sitting on a log, I thought made. A, uh, a lot of difference to be able to relax at the end of a, a good day of hiking. Yeah, B.A. and I talked about that last episode mm-hmm. about the, you know, we thought of it as a luxury item at first, but really it's a necessity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it. it is well worth the extra pound to carry that around. Indeed. So that was good. That was good. Uh, yeah, so we, we made camp and we uh, we were camping next to a guy who was a bit of a, a, a chatty guy. I forgot about that guy, yes. He, he just wanted to talk and talk yes. and talk. And, and we didn't want to talk. We didn't want to talk, yeah. no. <laughs> but, you know, being being good hikers and, and we wanted to be neighborly, but, yeah. you know. We were friendly, uh-huh. yeah, but he, 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 he was a little bit more friendly. <laughs> yes. Another thing you might want to know is that there is 
pretty pretty darn good cell service at Blackjack Campground. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I think, were we within sight of one of the cell towers? Yes, we were. Yeah, I, as I recall, yeah, there were certain areas that it was completely dead, but this was, yeah, you, we were able to connect with, mm-hmm. with families and just... Just say hello, let them know we're doing okay. And, yeah, Te- text pictures of people face down in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that was, that was night one at Blackjack Campground. And then we got up the next morning uh, to start the 8.2 miles to Little Harbor, which is going to be our next stop. Mm-hmm. And what do you remember with, about that morning? I remember really being excited about getting it to, frankly, to, to the restaurant at uh, the airport in the sky. It, we had sort of a destination. I think we were, uh, it's not like we were starving. We were only a day into it. But right. I think we were we were pretty excited about, how, you know, when you're living off beef jerky and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Ramen. Exactly. Yes. That, uh, that we were going to feast when we got there. So, yeah. yeah. So the good news is if you camp at Blackjack, you're just two miles, two miles away from airport in the sky. And they have uh, they have breakfast there. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of different breakfast choices. What, what did you have? Good food. Um, I have some sort of uh, omelet dish, and I think I had the uh, buffalo. That's kind of what they you know they offered you know. And my personal recommendation on this would be the buffalo is all kind of a you know it's a gimmick about the island. It's not necessarily was the you know the best thing on the menu, mm-hmm. but it was worth trying if you're interested yeah, in seeing. Yeah, right. I had a I had a bison breakfast burrito. That's right. I remember and that. I am pretty sure that the bison they include in their meals. It, are, it's not from the bison on the island. I think they import it. I think you're right. I don't think there's a meatpacking plant anywhere on the island. So yeah, I'm pretty the 14 bison that there were originally are. Yeah, yeah, they didn't they didn't make yeah. use of those. Yeah. Yet, so. Also, that morning was really foggy. It was it was it was a distinct difference from the day before. It was really cool. There were certain areas we were up in the uh, where there were certain uh, times where you're hiking where you know you could maybe see 30 40 yards in front of you mm-hmm. which you know as we understand it sometimes it can get pretty hot on the island like some people said that hiking can be you know at times uh, a little uncomfortable right so I considered it to be um, but it added a little to the drama because we as I recall that was a section where we started seeing some some evidence of the bison that indicated that they were nearby and then you had the added you know, challenge the fact that you really couldn't see 30 yards in front of you. Right. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and didn't we run into another guy that was super friendly that uh, was telling us that he actually saw a bison that was, you know, that he, he was just ahead of us on the on the trail and said he saw a bison. So, yeah. Yeah, there was a part on that two-mile stretch from Blackjack to Airport in the Sky where we went by a bush that had a large depression in the grass around it. Obvious that a, a bison had slept there that night. Yeah. And it was it was it looked fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it, like it had just just happened, but yeah. we didn't see anything. We didn't hear anything. Didn't see anything. And this guy at the airport in the sky when we were having breakfast, he mentioned, "Hey, did you guys see that that buffalo that was uh, you know in the grass right next to the trail?" Yeah. He said that he had to go off trail like fifty yards to go around right. that, that That's bison. Right. Yeah, there was an area there with another lake with sort of a. A fencing around it, and yeah, so yeah, right so there. so we just missed that bison somehow. I'm sure we walked probably within you know 30 feet of that of that sucker, yeah. but did not see it. He did not see us. Probably a good thing. Yeah, good thing. So then after uh, airport in the sky and and that great breakfast, Feast. then we we kind of hiked up a little bit and started the descent down into Little Harbor uh, slash Shark Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um. So those are two harbors right next to each other, separated by kind of a promontory of rock. 
And you, you, on this trip, Mr. Fisherman, yes. you brought a fishing pole. I did, yes, because as I, as I shared with Doc, that he knows that I'm, I'm, uh, I've grown up fishing around Southern California, many times fished off the coast of Catalina. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in some instances, actually, I could see the bison from you know, the fishing boats. Uh, so I brought along a little telescopic fishing rod. And while Doc laughed at me, I went out in the rocks and did I deliver? You did. And yeah. and in fact I have I have video of the, the specimen that he caught, which I will provide on social media. Yeah, it was enormous. Yes. It was at least three or four inches. So. <laughs> Good thing we didn't have to rely on that for dinner. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Instead we have beef jerky and ramen. Hey, so I have to tell you, am I allowed to tell about what we what we saw on the uh, the evidence of the shark stuff that was on the uh, yes. So so we had heard you know one of the one of the coves is called Shark Cove and you, yeah you, things are named for whatever reason but uh, I, we uh, I had gone out to uh, took my little chair out to read on the little section and I and I remember I was sitting there reading on the on the beach and this just horrendous odor kind of wafted its way over. And I knew it wasn't me because I'd only been on the trail for two days. Yeah, it, 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 was, well, it wasn't like seven or eight days in. It very well could have been us. But this was this was something different. And I started looking around and there was this carcass of a, a seal of something. And when you look carefully at it, clearly this is a seal that had been bitten in half by you know some sort of large marine animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was in a certain stages of decomposition. But... Uh, and I believe that there were two separate things that I saw on that beach, which kind of gave an indication. I'm not particularly sure that I would want to get in the water around yeah, here. Don't yeah, don't go don't go swimming there. It, and the yeah. funny thing was, later on in the afternoon, we got there fairly early in the afternoon. Yeah. Later on in the afternoon, there were some some uh, young adults or some kids playing flag football on that beach. And I don't know if the carcass was being used as the you know touchdown line marker oh, or man. whatever, but I can't imagine Be getting if you too lay close out to that. Catch a pass yeah. on something like that. So, Yikes! Yeah. Yikes. But a good campsite, lot you know, a big big fire ring in the middle of the campsite. This yeah. is one of those nights where we got firewood from the ranger and, and just had great fireside conversation mm-hmm. for, for a while. Yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, great. Uh, you're, you're exhausted, but uh, you have a feeling of accomplishment. And there was enough amenities there. I mean, it was it was a campsite. It was enough amenities where you felt like you, you, uh, uh, you, know, you could enjoy yourself. So, yeah. And this is also the location of one of Slomo's favorite stories he likes to tell about yep. uh, about me. Uh, the next morning, we got up and we're enjoying kind of the, the the scenery, just sitting in our chairs. I think one of us or both of us were doing a little bit mm-hmm. of reading. Coffee, maybe, yeah. We did not have a long hike the next day, so we really didn't have to hit the trail very early. And so, Slomo, I'm going to turn it over to you to explain what happened next. Sure, yeah. We're, we're sitting there, and we're looking, and there's a there's a campsite right ahead of us, and it's a group of guys, that, yeah, some church group or something like that, and they were having a great time. They were cooking up this massive breakfast, and so we were sitting just watching them. About how far and away were they? I'd say maybe 50, 75 yards away, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So, um, and they were just kind of right in our line of sight, and we were sitting there. And uh, all of a sudden, one of the guys they were cooking a breakfast sausages, and one of the guys starts choking on one of the sausages. Clearly, you know, it's like this is a crisis moment, right? Mm-hmm. And I leap up out of the chair, and I'm thinking I'm going to go into action, which is really kind of stupid because I'm 75 yards away. What what am I going to do? And they're surrounded by other, you know, 15 people or so. Yeah, how many other adults were, were near the, him? At least 12 to 15 guys, yeah. wouldn't you say? Yeah. So. Um, anyways, the point was that I, I stood up and I, I'm panicked because I'm thinking this guy could die. You even said someone's got to do the Heimlich. I don't even, you, you half shouted. That's it. right. Yes, yeah. that's right. I've done the Heimlich before, so I was ready. <laughs> so I was ready and I look over and there's Doc sitting in his chair, arms crossed, n- no 
<laughs> no movement to assist at all. And uh, eventually the uh, the hot dog came out. But, you know, we had this conversation. I go, this is really intriguing, the different way that we have responded to this crisis. Mm. And uh, Doc's response was, it, it worked itself out. It'll work itself out. <laughs> I was thinking, man, I hope that we're not on the trail somewhere, just the two of us, and I start choking on some beef jerky. <laughs> it's part of my philosophy on life. You know, the majority of things work themselves out. And true to form, it worked itself out. The guy was fine. He, you know, I think he may have even eaten another sausage. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it slowed him down too much. Yeah, very good. Good stuff. Lack of empathy. <laughs> Practicality. Okay, so after things worked themselves out uh, at that campsite, we, we packed up and we headed to from Little Harbor to Two Harbors. And really, it was it was like I said, it was a short distance hiking day, just five point three miles. In okay. fact, if you were motivated, you could probably do Little Harbor to Parsons Landing no problem. I mean, you could you could probably get away with just three campsites. Uh, you on, could. On the TCT. That, I mean, that would have been a little bit of a push. I, I would say it was a guy that that knew the. I felt that the. Um, that the the hike that day this was it was a great hike it was one of the, probably one of the, some of the best views mm-hmm. um, but like you said this was one that where you there's a lot of elevation gain and there's not a lot of switchbacks um, you're kind of dry, you're walking right up the spine of kind of a ridge mm-hmm. which which in and of itself was just gorgeous because there were certain times you could see both sides of, you know the Pacific Ocean on either side um, but you know it was straight up yeah. yeah. And that's something I neglected to, we neglected to say about um, Little Harbor is that you're camping on the side of Catalina Island, basically facing Japan. Mm-hmm. You're on the, the western coast of Catalina Island, which I thought was, was very cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you, it's good to kind of yeah, orient yourself on the map and kind of see where you're at. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. this, this, this hike brought us back over to, well, it's sort of the, the two harbors that you, that we, they're... It's got to be one of the narrowest parts of the island, right? right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, little harbor to two harbors, uh, like Slomo was saying, a lot of uphill climb early in that in that hike. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were climbing that path, um, we actually saw this is where we saw the buffalo. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, kind of off in the distance. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really cool to see. And you know, I don't know if you remember this, but the one thing that struck me about that was actually the wildflowers on that time. That, yeah. that, the 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 path you know you can see kind of where people have kind of walked the path but on the edges of the path you remember there was like a crimson red uh, mm-hmm. uh, that you know looked like it had been manicured it was just absolutely beautiful yeah, yeah really cool yeah. stuff so. gorgeous and then we got to our highest point uh, on that part of the hike and there was one of those wooden structures bench structures um, with the uh, the covered roof. Um, it was really, really nice to take a break up there and you had a spectacular view of where we were going two harbors. Uh, like you said, you can see the Pacific coast, Pacific, Pacific coast. You can see the Pacific ocean on either side. Um, and then, um, two harbors is called two harbors because on the west of side of the island is Catalina Harbor. And then on the east side is Isthmus Cove. Those are the two harbors Mm -hmm. uh, where, where it gets its name. And so, yeah, that was absolutely the uh, the uh, the place that you stop at is kind of a cool location, right? Because you're at 
I think there was some more elevation gain afterwards, but there was a sense of you kind of had reached almost like a peak. Mm-hmm. We stopped. I think we made some phone calls home at that time, actually. And we, we did. Talked to some folks about that. So it's cool. And again, with my kind of fishing focus, I recall that you could look down and there were like these fishing boats that kind of pulled their way into those little coves. That's right. You know, I was thinking, and that, that in and of itself is, I mean, Catalina is just such a gorgeous island. And, you know, you see it from different perspectives. You see it when you're looking, you know, and the, the water is just so clear. But to be able to see it on that ridge was a whole nother really cool perspective. Yeah. So, so I know it's funny because Slomo is was a, a backpacker at that moment, but I could see his fishing roots coming out as he was looking at those boats very longingly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get, we finally get to Two Harbors. Didn't take uh, that long. Again, it was just five point three miles yes. from Little Harbor to Two Harbors. And what happened in Two Harbors? Well, may, may I share? Sure. That this I, I I'm I'm new. To you know, to backpacking, I'm hooked. You know, using a fishing analogy, um, but there was a, an interesting phenomenon that I don't know if it's something that you experienced. Where this was one where at a certain point when we were coming down toward Two Harbors, you could see the little uh, population center there, mm-hmm. and the fact that you could see it made that descent for me so much longer because it just seemed like it's just right around the edge. And there, and it just kept going and going. I think it was the burger that we were thinking about mm. a little bit, but uh, so beautiful hike, really cool. We saw people kind of coming up the other way, but I do remember that this was one that was like I, you kept thinking you're going to round a bend and you're almost there, and then you realize you got another you know three or four miles to go, or something like that. So, I know your pain. I, I've, I've had that feeling before because I have hiked from Donahue Pass to Tuolumne Meadows, and that is the exact feeling. You know that there's a burger at the end of that hike, <laughs> yeah. and it takes forever. Yeah. So yeah, we had the burger. It was good burger, decent oh, burger. Yeah, really good food. Actually, mm-hmm. there it was a, a nice little little place, and it was where you introduced me to an IPA. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Said, uh, I'm not much of a beer drinker, uh-huh. but uh, you said you know after this is this is the time I need to introduce you to an IPA. And I'm not sure if I was just because I was so ravenously hungry, but that was the best beer I've ever had. Nice, so, yeah. nice. <laughs> Hopefully, you're hooked on that now. That's right. So yeah. the occasional IPA, good stuff. All right, and then, you know, that's kind of where our hike ended because, like I said, I was unable to book Parsons Landing, Mm -hmm. and so we didn't have a campsite that night, and so we we cut our trip uh, early and um, got on the Catalina Express and headed back to the mainland. Yeah, and let me make sure that I just encourage people, when you do that, don't miss that as part of the journey, too, because I remember you kind of, you kind of, you backtrack to the Avalon area, as I recall, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you get to see, as you're going, um, different areas of the island. And we were looking at a map, if you mm-hmm. remember that. Like, you can see the different coves as you're going right. and sort of retrace uh, from a different perspective where you're at, which I thought was a really cool part of the trip. Yeah. And an important part to remember is that when you book your trip, when you book your Catalina Express tickets, going there... If you're going the traditional route, you want to you want to arrive buy a ticket tip from from San Pedro or Long Beach to Avalon. But on your return trip, you definitely want to go from Two Harbors back to the mainland. Yep. Because if, if you book it both both ways out of Avalon, you got to hike all the way back. So, <laughs> um, if we were to continue, like we're go- we're going to uh, this summer, we're going to finish up that we're going to do the whole trip uh, from from start to finish. I was able to uh, book it appropriately this time. Started with Parsons Landing. Um, so if you were as 
what we have to look forward to and what you have to look forward to is that last piece. Um, there are two routes. It's actually a loop that goes around that isthmus. And so you have your choice out of two harbors if you're going to take the coastal route first or if you're going to take the inland route. Uh, if you take the inland route um, from two harbors to Parsons Landing is 6.6 miles. I'm, I'm sorry. Did I say inland route? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you take the inland route, it's 6.6 miles. And you're going to cross the highest point of the trail uh, on that that hike it's it's a looks like a pretty steep uh, climb and drop on the elevation oh, chart no. uh, oh, 1775 no. feet it's gonna be rough yes <laughs> and then you uh, can set up your camp campsite at Parsons Landing and then if you want to add to that 6.6 miles uh, if you want to kind of hike unpacked uh, or lighter packed to Starlight Beach. That is the the furthermost furthest most point uh, at that tip of the island. So you can actually say you've been tip to tip uh, on the Catalina Island. You go to Starlight Beach. That's an additional nine point two miles. That's mm. a long day mm. to hike the six point six and the nine point two. Or you, you may want to save the nine point two to Starlight Beach and then back again um, for a, a separate day, an additional day at, at Parsons. And then after after that, heading back to Two Harbors, you could take the coastal route, which is a bit longer. It's seven point seven miles, but the good news is it's, it's all it's flat. flat. Right, it yeah. is flat. Is on the coast. It's like a fire road, isn't it, or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It looks pretty gentle. So, all right. So there you have it. There is uh, our description and our experience on the TCT. Um, we have come to that point in the episode slow mo. I'm going to ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. Now, I know you had a couple of ideas uh, uh-huh. early on. What have you decided upon? I'll start on one make sure that I, someone hasn't mentioned this. But okay. it is to bring along some of those little Lipton uh, packs that you put in to flavor your water. You know, those little ones, the individual ones that you can actually, um, whether it's, you know, a variety of different flavors. Uh-huh. But uh, you happen to bring along two or three of those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're still thirsty. Else you're drinking all day. But, I mean, it, it just felt like it was uh, a manna from heaven that when you had something that didn't have that kind of, you know, uh, water from the faucet flavor. So, yeah. 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 Mango peach tea. There you go. From Lipton. It's, it's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. and super lightweight, right? Yeah, so that's right. Wait, enough, yeah, there's no weight. There's just no weight powder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So is that your pro tip? That's my pro tip. Okay. Yeah. Flavor your water. Uh, there you go. Very good. <laughs> that didn't come up in the natural flow of conversation during the episode. That's uh, just something you thought of right now. Well, I was trying to work it in, but yeah. Uh, yeah so so you hope that's it, acceptable. You, all right. Well, I even have more pro tips, but maybe I'll save it for the next time we get. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Very good. Final thoughts on the on the TCT. Uh, it just like I said, it was an epic experience. I enjoyed, you know, um, the the challenge, the physical challenge. Enjoyed good friendship along the way, great conversation. Um, you know, th- this seemed to me the kind of trip that someone that wants to kind of try it for the first time. It's doable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as long, if, as long as you're you know fairly good shape, um, this is something that I think some that wants to get into it. It's you know, kind of it seems like it's it, you get on some of these larger trips that you've told me about. It just seems like such a, a, a big thing to bite off, mm-hmm. but this was one that's doable. So Yeah, yep. Good good starter hike. And that's a it's a good point because if you remember, listeners, um, we talked to Jukebox a couple episodes ago about some short epic trips and one of those trips was a, just a three day jaunt uh, through Min- Mineral King Loop. I was actually going to try and convince Slow Mo 
to go on that trip. That's the trip where Chopper got evacuated by helicopter. Oh, uh, sounds very inviting. Yeah, that was not a starter hike. <laughs> that was not a starter hike. So this is this is good that that uh, we went on the TCT for your first hike. That's a, a great experience. Now, Slomo, before we get to the end of the trail on today's episode, I wanted to share an exciting opportunity with our listeners. Through happenstance and just sheer good luck, I was able to make a connection with Keith Foskett, who is the author of several books based on his experiences on the Camino de Santiago, the PCT, the Appalachian Trail, and hikes in his native Scotland. His books have been number one bestsellers on Amazon, and two of his books, The Last Englishman and Balancing on Blues, were both shortlisted for Outdoor Book of the Year. Fozzie, as he is known on the trail, has agreed to come on to the John Freakin' Muir Pod on a future episode and share his trail experiences and hiking knowledge. I'm letting you, the JFM faithful, know so you can submit some questions ahead of time for him. I'm really looking forward to talking to Fozzie. This is going to be great. Sounds good. Also, Slobo, I've been toying around with an idea for a future episode. Do you read or watch any adventure-related media in between your excursions into the wild? I uh, sure do. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Can't think of any right now. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't think I was going to ask him that question. I would like to devote an entire episode to adventure-related media and talk about the films and books that tied us over between our adventures. From Bryson's A Walk in the Woods to Fozzie's The Last Englishman to Maru and the Don Wall and so many others, there are so many outstanding options out there. I have a list of my own, but I would also like to hear from the JFM faithful out there. Send in your best media choices to the John Freakin' Muir Pod, and I'll do some research prior to that episode. Slow-mo, any immediate options come to mind now that you had a chance to think about it? Oh, man, you're really putting me on the spot. I think you know I'm like kind of had that historical... You know, there's one that's called um, The River of Doubt. Yes, I would highly recommend. It's about Theodore Roosevelt after he... Uh, leaves the presidency and he goes mm-hmm. down to the Amazon mm-hmm. and almost dies in the process. Highly recommended book. Nice, nice. I, I also think of that's um, kind of historical mm-hmm. his, historical novel for you. Um, I also, another one along those lines is Endurance about yeah. Shackleton's voyage um, down to Antarctica and things go horribly wrong and they're stranded on the ice for two plus years. The amazing thing to me on that book is that nobody died? Yeah, it's it's almost too incredible to believe, but it's all true. Yeah, yeah. Two plus years on the ice, uh, they have to abandon the ship. They're carrying their their um, smaller boats. Um, they're dragging them on the ice uh, to finally try and get free of the ice and, and get to open ocean. They get to open ocean. They sail across uh, hundreds of miles mm-hmm. to to a particular island. They land there. They all make it there. They land there. Nobody has died. And then they decide that they cannot subsist for a long period of time on this island. There's just not enough there. Mm-hmm. And so Shackleton picks you know, three, or, three or four guys to go with him, and they get on a boat, and they, they, again, go out on the open ocean for hundreds of miles back to their original starting point, uh, and they land on the wrong side of the island. They have to hike over the island, over this mountainous terrain, and come down into... The, their their har- the harbor where they originally left from yeah. you know, three years ago. And then they mount a, a rescue party and they go back for the guys that are left on the island. And nobody died. Wait, nobody got eaten? 
Nobody got eaten. Nobody got eaten. No, the dogs dogs didn't make it, I'm sorry to yeah, say. But, true. Yeah. but uh, I do remember that piece. I just have to say that I don't think you and I would actually have made that. Uh, we wouldn't have. They must have been tougher back then. Yeah, too tough to die. That's, you would have looked at me and said, he'll work it out. Yeah. He'll work yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> Things work themselves out. Yeah. Very good. All right, so there you have it. That's it. Episode six is in the books. I want to thank Slow Mo for coming on today and helping me out with the Trans Catalina Trail. Slow Mo, I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll come back on a future episode. Absolutely. How about after we finish the uh, the entire trail this time? We'll do a part two and talk about the isthmus. Let's do it. And whatever else crazy happens on mm-hmm. that hike. So. Yeah. All right. Remember, if you are interested in being a guest contributor for the John Freakin' Muir pod, there are a number of ways to get in touch. There's email at johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com, as well as Twitter, at johnfreakinmuir, and Instagram, johnfreakinmuir. And for clarification, there is no G in freakin'. I will also be posting some pictures of our Trans-Catalina Trail hike on Twitter and Instagram so you can take a look. Also, if you are hiking all or part of the JMT this season and would like to be a correspondent from the trail in order to share conditions and stories, please get in touch and let's set that up. I think I mentioned to you before the episode began, slow-mo, that I was very excited because I had received just such a communication via message on Instagram. Rob from Davis, California, reached out to me uh, this afternoon and said that he was going to be doing a southbound trip in September and wanted to be a correspondent from the trail and report on conditions and, and his experiences. So, so I'm, cool. I'm very excited about that. Very cool. This thing's blowing up. This yeah. thing is blowing huge, up. Huge. Eight yeah. countries, and now we're, I think we're in 25 states. Wow. 25 well, we'll states. Just wait till they hear my episode. 50, I think 54% of our domestic listeners come from California, mm-hmm. but surprisingly to me, 7% which is the second highest mm-hmm. state, come from Tennessee. Of all places. Tennessee. Wow. All right. Thanks for listening in, Tennessee. Nice job. That's a wrap from the John Freaking Muir Studio with Slow Mo and Doc. Thank you for tuning in. And always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't <laughs> care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. <laughs> Embrace the suck. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors every monday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment